0: This is episode 30 of the Remix Your World podcast with Karsten Solers. Welcome to Remix Your World. I'm Alison Kalagna, global DJ and music producer turned life remixer and personal growth coach. In each episode, we bring you real talk, inspiring stories, and heartfelt conversations of personal transformation to help you uplift and amplify your life. This is the Remix Your World podcast. Chicago-based Canadian export Karsten Solars has earned the attention of electronic music's finest and his profile has immersed itself across international club culture. Serving his agenda precisely, the signature sound of past releases on Tool Room Records, Under the Radar, Nervous Records, Ferris Real Recordings, Sleazy Deep, Stealth, Great Stuff, and more have lit up the charts with many of his productions landing in the top 10 and top 100 spots on both house and tech house charts. His recent release, Weekend Warrior on Sleazy Deep, was chosen by Beatport as the number one best new tech house track for December 2018, as well as landing in the top 10 on the TrackSource main tech house chart. Carson hosts a monthly radio show, Solar Systems, on Data Transmission Radio and was just featured as a guest on Roger Sanchez's radio show, Release Yourself, after a successful chart-topping release on his label, Under the Radar. He has dropped down an immense resume of music headlining events on his busy tour schedule across North and Central America as well as India and Asia. Playing alongside the likes of John Digweed, Art Department, Luttrell, Chusin Sabalos, Jay Lumen, Sante, Gene Ferris, Prock & Fitch, Honey Sound System, Lee Voss, Way Out West, Paul Van Dyke, Justin K, Cascade, Lane 8, Dusky, and Christophe to name a few. Solars is also consistently placed on Anjuna deep tours that go through Chicago including their last two North American tours. Showcasing a more melodic side of his musical character. He also holds a residency at the world renowned sound bar in Chicago. Solars continues to emerge with four anticipated new EPs coming this spring and summer on Nervous Records, Stealth, and Chicago home team label Ferris Wheel Recordings.
1: Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come
0: on. Oh, yeah! What's up, world? This is episode 30 of the Remix Your World podcast, and today I'm talking to Karsten Solers. He's actually DJing my release event April 26th in Dallas, and I am super excited. So, if you are in Dallas, make sure you come and check it out. It'll be his first time in Texas, so we are super happy to be bringing him to release. Uh, we had a great conversation just about life and music. Um, he's got an amazing positive energy, that's what actually drew me to him in the first place. So, it was really nice for us to just have a conversation and talk about life and music. So, without further ado, Let's jump right in to my conversation with Karsten. Yo, check this out! Well, I'm happy that you're here, and I'm glad that you're doing this, so thank you. I'm so excited that you're coming to Dallas.
1: I know. I'm really excited about that, too. I've never been there, ever, and the first time I'm coming is with you guys, and I get to play this super cool party, so... Yeah, I'm ex- excited. The last one looked like it was really good. It looked like it was a great turnout.
0: Yeah, we had a great time. It was. It's, I love the room, too. You know, it's got a, you'll see, it feels, it's, it's like feels old school because it's been around for so long. It's like the, one of the longest venues there. I mean, when you go and you see in the green room, there's literally yeah. like signed by like front 242 that old like it goes way back there's like so the green room everybody's signatures are all over the place it's so cool um but yeah so it just gives you the history
1: what's the place called
0: it's called lizard lounge
1: lizard lounge okay and it's like um it's a concert venue
0: no it's actually a club
1: oh it's a club
0: it is a club yeah it's a club, Way good. Yeah. I think like it was probably a venue in the beginning, way back in the nineties, and then just kind of transitioned into a club, you know. Yeah. It's got two rooms and an upstairs, so you'll see. It's really cool. And we have a whole different vibe in the in the lounge. So it's it's gonna be fun. I'm excited.
1: Like a different vibe is in another room?
0: Yeah, there's another room. Music. Yeah.
1: With another with other DJs?
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. so we have in the video room Stetra and her whole crew. They do her collective is called Technorotica. So they'll um be doing stuff in in that other room. Sweet. So it'll be fun. Awesome. All right, yeah. so so let's talk music then. Let's talk really music. Tough. So because right. I don't know, you know, let's go way back and rewind to your childhood. Were you musical? Was this like a thing you knew?
1: I mean, I played drums, Okay. and I learned a little bit of piano and a little bit of guitar. I did dabble. Nice. But I would say, like, the first musical instrument that I took serious was turntables. Nice. So I went to my first rave when I was 14 years old. Way (laughs) too young to be substancing (laughs) and... Four, 14 is young I mean, if I saw a 14 year old at a rave right now I'd be like go home what are you doing
0: <laughs> so how did that even happen did, did you have a friend that was like hey we're gonna go to this
1: yeah I went to a boarding school and I got invited by one of the students to go and stay with his brother and go to this rave so we all went to this rave and you know we Popped caps of E in the lineup to go. In we ended up
0: in this party. 14?
1: Wow. 13. Wow. So I was totally enamored by these DJs, you know, and I knew that it was something that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started collecting records and convinced my parents to get me turntables and I started DJing. Wow. And like, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a DJ. It was more like, I wanted to do this, you know, like it yeah. was fun. It was cool for me to like collect records and mix and just like create this space for me and my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so I did that pretty much for fun. I I mean, I did a few parties here and there. Like the first party I did, I was probably 18, 19 years old. And I played a two-hour drum and bass set. Nice vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't really play much besides just like for fun until maybe eight or nine years ago.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. And then I really like a friend of mine asked me to play a set with her, and I went and played. And um, that club that night offered me a residency. Nice. It was in It was at 1181. And they're like, who are you? Like, you have to come back. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, let's do this. So then they started having me back. And then, you know, that led to, like, this whole career that I've now created in music that was kind of unexpected. Yeah. But in hindsight, always what I was meant to do and what I was, like, training for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So your first rave at 14, was that in Canada? Or were you already? Yeah,
1: it was in Vancouver at UBC in an arena. (laughs) And there were, like, two massive rooms. (laughs) I remember at one point, like, my friend's brother was like, okay, you guys have to go in the other room because there's all this gang activity happening right now (laughs) in, like, this room. And I don't want you guys to be in there. So, like, he kind of, like, was taking care of us in a way that, like, an older brother would yeah. take care of a 14-year-old. But now, just as an adult, yeah, think four... about that and I'm just like, <laughs> how, why? But I guess I was, like, I was there for it, you know? Yeah. Like, I was in a space, in who I was already, mm-hmm. that, like, I was capable or interested and inspired by that kind of environment.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, this is like the late '90s too. So people were young. Yeah. And like, like fat pants and like candy on the wrists and mm-hmm. visor. Like that whole like pleur. Yeah. Love vibe, which you know is really for somebody growing up. You know, gay, but not being comfortable with that yet. Yeah. It was such a safe space for me to just sort of like be. Yeah. You know, I was still in the closet. Like, I had a, a few of my friends that I was going with were out and gay, mm-hmm. but, you know, I just wasn't there. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. But it was still a very, like, comfortable space for me to just sort of explore that. Mm-hmm. You know, and not feel like oh, like I'm being too gay or, you know, right. like, it's like whatever, yeah. you know, whatever we go through as teenagers, but also having to deal with that.
0: Yeah. I know. think the rave scene was really helpful for a lot of people in that, you know, like my first, yeah. I was in clubs really young, but there were teen clubs. So I was in teen clubs around 14, 15, but I, I didn't go to i didn't do my first pill until way later you know like and then when i got into raves then it was like whoa like a whole thing but we yeah. had a we had a bunch of teen clubs where i was from because they were clubs that lost liquor license so they would just turn them into teen clubs so we'd have these mega oh, clubs were- <laughs> that were like but it was just us and they were only serving water and soft drinks <laughs> but it you know i got the bug after that i was just like whoa what is this so
1: so were these like was it was it electronic music?
0: It was electronic music, yeah, and it, but it was yeah. mo- okay. mostly yeah. there was a lot of open format in it because it was a smaller town in Louisiana, and so oh. it was everything from Nitzer Ebb, Front 242, front two, like you know industrial type, and then but there was still like happy techno, you know, so the whole like. James Brown is dead, two unlimited those kinds of things and then there was more some underground things that would come into it. It was just a weird space of everything, right? So it was like exactly. it was it was it, it's what you would have called open format now was what they were doing, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, I once, guess
1: I was like well, that's what my question was kind of yeah. getting at like a more cuz like the the rave scene was very specific to like electronic music, all like drum and bass and breaks, you know, hard house came into play.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and eventually, so that scene started to change and that's when I fell into it, you know, when it was definitely into the rave scene, but my first intro to clubs was in the teens and it wasn't into that, you know, and then I got into the rave scene where my first rave was like at State Palace and Jesus, it was crazy. I played drum and bass for a little bit too. Yeah, I, I still love bass.
1: I liked like the to... like it stokes me up so much. Like it's one of those like, like yeah. Like yeah. I just get so excited.
0: I always I liked would... more of the atmospheric ones, like so high contrast and LTJ. Yeah. Like I liked the prettier side of drum and bass, you know. Um, but yeah, I did. I, I think did a little it was
1: bit of that. DJ called atmosphere. Mm. that that sort
0: of pot yeah there might have
1: been yeah yeah
0: Yeah. oh my gosh i i just remember like i think charles feel good all i mean like it was even bad boy bill way back in the day when he would come through louisiana richard Humpty division like all, all of them i remember the first time i met bill i was just like dude I was this kid in front of you just watching you in Louisiana with your scratch and batch boy, bilch <laughs> I
1: was just like yeah, what? like 200 <laughs> tracks in like an hour. It's an stuff. hour.
0: I know I'd never just seen like, something like that. The, one,
1: the next the next the next, <laughs> the next. and like that time I just remember being so, you know, on that dance floor on his dance floor especially created such a, you know, an, an amazing dance experience. Yeah. You know at that time, at that age. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you met him? I mean, do you run into him at all in Chicago or?
1: I have not met Bad Boy Bill, but I played a festival with DJ Dan. Okay. Uh, last summer and I and I got to meet him. And I was a big fan of his like in the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. So that was cool because I, I had played I Those think records. he was playing on an stage right when I was playing. Mm. But he, like, came over to our stage, and then I just ended up having, you know, a bit of a conversation with him. Yeah. So that was to kind of, like, see the full circle experience, yeah. you know. I didn't mention to him. I didn't want to, like, you know, yeah, when I was a kid, like, I used <laughs> right. to... <you>
0: know, like <laughs> all right, it's, right. You know, it's hard not to fanboy sometimes, though, because, like, they were big deals to us, you know, so it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who else did you look yeah. up to then when you started?
1: Um, Frankie Bones.
0: Mm.
1: Kind of like followed Frankie Bones okay. around, like it's like techno and breaks vibe. Yeah, yeah. I was really into that. Like he was one of the first um, artists that I was really like, wow, this guy's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I probably went to 10, 15 of his shows. Um, and had, had CDs. And yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, Frankie <laughs> Bones was a big one, and then of course like Roger Sanchez mm-hmm. and like Frankie Knuckles, and, you know the like house stuff and DJ Fix and Icy and Oh man, you know, Icy!
0: The- I have every fucking record of Icy ever. Doubles. Still have them in, yeah. in. Because Breaks was huge in Louisiana. It was huge. Oh yeah. I mean, so- I guess.
1: Louisiana is kind of close to Florida, Florida. right? Yeah, so we'd get all
0: of that Florida stuff come up. So breaks and freestyle, all of that would come up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God, DJ.
1: I mean, like, yeah. I still feel that same passion towards music, but it's just, like, evolved from that. Like, I still love breaks and stuff, but its I don't know, it's not, it doesn't inspire, Inspire me maybe as much as house and tech house, yeah, and, like that sort of vibe right now. And I think that's why it's kind of default to that,
2: yeah.
1: I'm playing, um, and what I'm producing, but I, I do like whenever I hear because, like, a lot of the tech house guys are putting out, like, the current tech house really has like kind of a breakbeat mm-hmm. to it, yeah.
0: And I buy all of them. Because some of the, you like, like yeah, meaning, like, Dirty Bird style type in that? Well,
1: Dirty Bird stuff, yes. But some of the stuff coming out of the UK, mm. like, and also Spain, like, um, Oscar L yeah, puts out techno, but also puts out, like, almost a, a breaks structured
2: mm-hmm.
1: groove. Yeah. But then, with more of like a tech house vibe. Anyways, I guess it's like adding an extra kick drum, or you yeah. know, the, the, where the snares are placed and stuff. But um, yeah, I dig it. Yeah.
0: So when did you get start producing? And how long were you DJing before you decided? I want to know. I want to know how to make it.
1: Well, I always wanted to make it. It was just like, it was just like taking the time to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? like I just didn't know. I didn't know where to start. So I guess I would say like, you know, I've been DJing now for like 21 years. Mm. Um, but professionally, like full time, I've probably been DJing for about 10
2: years, yeah.
1: maybe, nine. Um, and then I started producing six years ago. So there was one winter where I was finally like, I need to just, I need to learn how to produce this winter. I'm going to learn how to produce. So I didn't know where to start. I went to the local like DJ store. I was like, do you guys know anybody that like can help me learn production?
2: Yeah. They're
1: like, yeah, we have this guy who used to work here doesn't work here anymore, but he runs this website, 78910.com. Reach out to him. So I reached, and I was just like, dude, like, tell me what I need, and I will buy it. And, like, he's like, okay, well, first, send me some tracks. Like, send me some examples of tracks that you would like to produce. So I did that. Yeah. And then he went back, and he was like, okay, cool, yeah, we can totally do that. Um, Buy... Ableton, buy this keyboard, buy these speakers, buy this mic, you know, whatever. So I did all that. I think I spent, I don't know, $2,500 or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, every Tuesday for a year, I went to his studio and I sat with him for two hours and I learned. How to make my own music. Yeah. Um, like it was quick. Like I learned quick. Right. Just, I don't know if it was his teaching style or what, but he would record the sessions that we did. Yeah. And so I'd go back. It was rare that I would go back to look at them, but just having that like consistent every week at this time. And like I wanted to impress him. Right. You know what I mean? So like during the week, I would be producing every single day. Right. Like I got so addicted. Yeah. You know, I still am like into it. Like I'll spend all day, like it'll go from day to night and I won't eat and I'll be producing. I'll be like, Oh my God, where did the day go? (laughs) Which I love that.
0: Yeah. It's like when you're you're in the flow.
1: Yeah. just get in this flow. So anyway, yeah. Um, so that's kind of how it went.
0: I love that. And so though, that you knew that you needed a mentor, and you had the insight to be like, "I need a teacher. I need somebody who's going to do that." You know, because I think a lot of times people, it, there's so much available online and everything, but it, it having somebody with you. That's how I learned too. You know, I had a mentor, yeah. and it changed everything uh, for me. I mean, I also I also went to product uh, audio engineering school, which is very different. But in terms of being a music producer, I had a mentor, and I would sit with him days, you know, like, and learn from him. So it was was very important.
1: For me, I really am the type of – I'm tactical. I like to um, have someone there I can bounce ideas off, but also, like, show me in – what exactly I need to do and I want to do,
2: yeah. you
1: know what I mean? So I have a question, like, how do I, where do I place this? Or, you know, like, how do I take the sub out of this right. stem? Or whatever, like, show me right away. And, um, you know, that just, I don't know, it just, there's something about that that made it very... Um, easy and accessible for me to, to like, in, to take in, yeah. you know, on. So like within the first six months, I signed a track of tour room. Wow. Records.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's crazy.
1: Right. That's crazy. Like that was my five year goal. Right. You know what I mean? I was like, Hey, within the next five years, like I'm going to be signed to a room and it just happened so quick. I mean, like, I connected with them and I had sent them five or six tracks that they rejected before they took. Right. Them. But just to like open that conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Were they the know, first label you ever sent anything to or how many other no's did you get before you got a yes?
1: Um, I sent my first tracks I released with jungle funk. Recordings, which is uh, Jerome,
0: Jerome Robbins.
1: Robbins. Yeah. So they released my very first track, and it was called Oprah, and it was just like, super groovy. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Did you sample Miss Oprah?
1: Like, dark, kind of, I don't know, like tribally, but like techie, tech house track that I sampled Oprah giving this like personal power speech <laughs> and um, it was like you have the destiny like you are the you know control of your life like yeah. that sort of thing it just like worked like I saw the sample I heard it and I was like I need to make a track out of this so I did it and then I sent it to them and they signed it it was just like boom yeah you know that was the first one
0: that's so awesome
1: Um, and then I, I released a few on a few other labels on an Italian label, um, a couple other, I, so what I did to get in contact with tool room was I put my music on a USB. I wrote them a letter and I put it in the mail and I sent it to them. Yeah. And then about a week. They wrote back to me and were like, oh, like, thank you so much for your letter. Like, it was really nice. Like, the track's not right for us yeah. now, but feel free to send us music. Right. So, I mean, between now and between then and now, I've made some really great like relationships there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but that was the start of it. Mm-hmm. And I sent them about five or six tracks and then... When I landed in Ibiza, like summer, I don't know 2000, whatever. I'm not sure when it was, but I, I got the email when I landed in
2: Ibiza. Nice. Saying
1: they were signing my track, <laughs> and I was like, well, like, "Magic in the air. Yeah. Like, how <laughs> chronistic is it that like I land in Ibiza, electronic music mecca?" Yeah. And you know, I get signed to the biggest label in my eyes, yeah. In that
0: moment, yeah, you know, so that's, that's so Special. amazing, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, was, now, what were yeah. so were you going to Ibiza to play with another label, or what was the
1: no? I've actually never played, so you were going to just there. enjoy I was hanging out, I was going to get inspired, yeah, you know. I had I had recently, you know, within the within two or three years, started DJing full time, mm-hmm. and really seeing myself like take it further than I'd ever really seen or thought about or understood yeah. before. So I wanted to go there and get some inspiration, and I did. You know, like I went to these clubs and. I could see. I could see how how it was really similar to what I was already doing. Yeah, you know, I was just in a different country, you know, on a on a bigger stage. Yeah, yeah. I, it really allowed me to see that I wasn't. You know, I think when you're when you're far away from a place, you know, distance like physically and like, in your reality, mm-hmm. it's harder to see yourself doing something mm-hmm. like that. But like, it just seems so far. It just seems so, like, whoa, like, it's it's, it's impossible. Mm. But then when you, like, put yourself in these situations and you see, oh, like, that's, you know, he's just doing, like, what you do. are just on a different level. It really allowed me to say, like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I can do this. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, it helps and that, build the vision. Step into the vision.
1: It helps yeah. It helps step into the vision. It helps you step into the reality of it being a possibility. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that really helped. I came back super inspired from that trip. I just signed to a room. You know, that's when I think my production career and then my like DJing, kind of leveled up. Yeah. You know, leveled up to being like DJ producer instead of just like DJ taking like every single gig that came my way, you know? Like, you know, I I was DJing every weekend in Topshop, like in this basement in the corner, and they were just like, like, I would play Saturdays and Sundays, like, just to people shopping. Right. Me and, and you know, club nights as well, obviously, but, like, now I couldn't, like, it just wouldn't, it just, like, wouldn't be a click. Yeah. You know, from yeah. do stuff sort of thing.
0: Yeah, there comes I, a point in your career when you have to start saying no to the bigger yes, you know, and taking the gigs yeah. that, yeah, absolutely.
1: It's just, like, make more sense for, and I'm, I'm pretty, like, I, like, I'm, like, broad spectrum in the like house under the house umbrella, mm-hmm. but I don't really like go into necessarily like remixes or, you know, the, the more like commercial based stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not really a click cause I feel like that sort of, that's kind of where those like corporate events or corporate, you know, spaces that's kind of what they want right you know what I mean and I just I just don't do that
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't fit
1: music it's not a fit it's not it's not inspiring
0: for me um, what do you feel has been so the, yeah the biggest challenge and the biggest thing you've had to overcome to get to where you are right now
1: um I don't that's a that's a good it's a good question. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure how to answer that right now. Can we go back to that?
0: We can. Yeah. We can. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about then. So like, you know, one of the things that I resonated with you and um, is just because energetically, right? So like that's that's kind of what um, Shane had said. You should you really should meet this guy, Karsten, you energetically, you guys are going to be a great fit, you know? And so like, I, that's when I started to kind of follow you. And I was like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm into this. I'm We're totally in the same vibe. So what was like some of your first personal development books? Like what was like the first one that you picked up where you were like, oh, this is really cool, you know, and kind of started you on that path.
1: So, um, like, firstly, I think it's not a book, and it's maybe not the ideal scenario, but I think drugs, okay. you know, taking ecstasy at a really young age, yeah, really opened me up to that spiritual world, mm-hmm. the connectivity, the like. Telepathy, yeah, the like intuitive stuff, mm-hmm. that like you know has become such a huge part of who I am now. Right. That now has become so normalized to me that it's just like, oh yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, before when I was fourteen, you know, that, that wasn't really there yet. Yeah. But I think like I've always been kind of aware at quite a young age but i definitely um drugs played a huge role in opening that side of me and allowing me to be comfortable
0: within it yeah yeah i think i think that's true for a lot of us you know it's like it it blows us wide open of like whoa you can see what's possible you know
1: yep and it's not just the drugs for a party it's like there was there was a very spiritual emotional side to it Mm -hmm. for yeah you know yeah i would say like book books um so i went to i backpacked around thailand for maybe a a 10 or 11 months
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um when I was 21. Yeah. And I found myself in a Buddhist retreat in the very north of Thailand. Mm-hmm. And I did a Vipassana. Nice. And I wasn't totally ready for it. You know, I was still 21. <laughs>
0: 21.
1: <I was> still, <laughs> still, like, I don't know, <laughs> doing my thing, you know, still partying. But like, there was a part of me that was really. Attracted to that, you know, Mm. but I was totally prepared for what it was. But I found myself reading The Power of Now,
2: Mm.
1: um, in my little hut in the (laughs) forest, you know, at this like super remote Buddhist retreat, yeah, and first experience separating. The observer mm. and the mind. Yeah, that was my f- first time that I experienced that, and that is what I take from that whole Vipassana experience. Mm. Was reading a certain um, paragraph in that book, and then having that experience, and that kind of you know, it was my takeaway from that. So I would say like, that was definitely the first book that I read that allowed me to, um, not just read about something and say, Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. But actually experience it, mm. you know, cause I do read a lot of books that like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. But it doesn't really, you know, it's like, I'm reading something that I already know and I already understand, but right. I'm not, necessarily taking it on and fully experiencing it so that was a yeah that was a big one I'd say
0: yeah I used to um god I remember the first time I read that book and so I read it I mean I don't I've probably read it like 10 times by now but like I remember bringing it into the club to remind me to be present when I was DJing so I would have it right in front of my mixer as like this thing to just oh, yeah. re, just to constantly re, re, make me get back to the moment because I had, you know, like there, a lot of I had a lot of anxiety, you know, a lot of times when uh. I was DJing, especially when I was younger. um, And this was so long ago. So I was still playing records then, you know, but I had the book right in front. Um Hello. But it was this constant reminder of, like, just be present. Because I would get so anxious in my head of, like, oh, I want to play this record. And I would try and get so many records ahead that I would forget where I was, you know. So it was just, like, this moment Uh where I would just come back to it, you know. It was just, like, a little anchor for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I mean, I do that with Reiki, Mm. even to this day, Yeah, you know. If I'm, like... Because like, you know, club world can be super crazy, especially when you're DJing. Like, you know, if I'm DJing at six in the morning and I've been awake for however many hours and I'm playing in this environment, there's just so much going on and there's people trying to talk to you and there's, you know, and you're creating the space and really bringing the vibration up like crazy, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: It's very easy to like become ungrounded, Mm -hmm. like even sober. Like I'm... I'm now doing all of this completely sober, you know, because like, for me, it's just, it's, I feel, I know what I need to do to feel balanced in all of these very yes. Un- situations. Yes. So I, I took my level one Reiki mm-hmm. and I'll, during a DJ set, most of them, usually when I'm feeling ungrounded or I'm feeling like the room isn't connected mm. i'll just like take a moment close my eyes like in the middle of the dj set yeah <laughs> who knows if people are watching that like, what the fuck is he doing it's okay or not. you're not alone <laughs> take, it's, it helps you you know what i mean yeah like this moment that i'm taking will help you in the long run.
0: yeah i rake so the bo- i rake the booth every time Nice. Every time I reiki that thing, I'm like, mm, and then myself, and I'm like, all of it. Yeah. I remember when I, <laughs> I played at the beach party at winter party, and I brought this huge smudge stick, and I went and I saged the entire thing before. And people must have thought it was crazy, uh, but I was like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Because I, no. want, I want to clean the space.
1: <laughs>
2: Good
1: for you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to do – like, we're really – I mean, I see myself as, like, the captain of the ship, mm. you know? And, of course, it's a collaboration between uh, crowd and DJ and room and all of that and time. Yeah. But, you know, we're really the the end-all sort of, like like, creator. Yeah. So... You know, we we have to be in that right space.
0: Yeah, because if we're in a shitty space, it's going to come out, you know. You know, it's it can totally. Um. So I want to rewind, though, because you said about being sober. When was that moment when you decided then enough is enough?
1: I was about 23, mm. you know. And as as mentioned, I started my young. Dr- <laughs> drugs and alcohol and young. I mean, I was... I was already smoking pot at 11, 12, wow. yeah. you know, and then taking LSD and mushrooms and whatever. And then and I got into chemicals when I was about 14. Mm. So I had, I had had full blown addictions by the time I was
2: 18,
1: 19, mm-hmm. 21. You know? Yeah. So, um, so I guess going back to the, what was the biggest thing to overcome? I would say that. Yeah. You know? It's like getting out of that drug, party, nightlife space and moving into a more balanced, clear-minded party nightlife space. Mm -hmm. You know? And, like, overcoming the anxieties of being out without having substance you know it's like relearning yeah relearning how to party Mm -hmm. like relearning how to be in an environment where you've been for the last 10 years in another altered state
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so like who am i in this as me unchanged
0: yeah you know yeah Which are powerful, that's powerful lessons and questions right there, you know, that you have to then dig in and find, find who that is. Yeah. Within that context of being in that environment. It's not, it's not easy. I always say, I'm like, God, I always feel like I'm the only sober one in this room sometimes. And it's sometimes it's really uncomfortable.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm really comfortable with it if I'm DJing. I have no problem with that. But when I'm out, Mm -hmm. then it can sometimes be really um uncomfortable for me if I'm not partaking if I'm not you know then it's like wow this is it's, it's it's it can be uncomfortable
1: yeah i i would definitely say that i got into a space where i thrive in that environment mm. um whether i'm djing or not because i know it's just like i make healthier choices for myself yeah so like i know when I'm in the right space to be out and to be on. And I know when to say like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. You know, like go home. Whereas like before I would just be like, oh, I'm done. But like, I'll just take more drugs so I can stay
0: here. Right,
1: right. You know, like why? Right. But like, it's, it's because you, you know, you start to get uncomfortable or you start to be over it or whatever. And then, you know, you just take more drugs to stay in that space. But now, you know, being sober for 13 years, I'm so comfortable in that. Yeah. And in my decisions, like, I can just make, you know, healthy decisions for myself. So when I'm over it, I'm just like, okay, you know, it's time to go. Yeah. And I have, you know, no shame. I'm just like, all right, see you later, everybody. You know, and like, I don't even fall into that, like, oh, I'll stay or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, it just just not there anymore. You know, like that, I don't have that, that like cord of attraction that you sort of like bring to you where it's, where it's like, uh, I don't really know how to say it, but like I don't attract that energy anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, where I don't attract those people trying to, maybe because I, have more confidence in my decisions.
0: Yeah. And maybe your, your boundaries. You know, are,
1: like ba- it's just those boundaries are there. Yeah. So it's just like, nothing's really going to phase me once I have made a decision for myself. Like nobody else's input really, mm-hmm. um, especially in that environment.
0: Yeah. I usually just ghost. And then I text my closest drive. With a little ghost icon, they know because they know before they know ahead of time. At some point, I'm going to disappear, and I'm just not going to tell them when.
1: (laughs) Yeah, cool. I mean, I think (laughs) I think it's just about like finding whatever is right for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's and that's in anything in life. Mm. You know, it's like finding the space that makes sense for you and honoring that. Mm. I think what causes anxiety and depression and all of these other things is, is when people aren't being like true with themselves and like what they truly want. You know what I mean? They're being phased by too many different inputs. And so they're not necessarily like, like honoring what they want in every moment. Yeah. Which I think is a huge lesson to learn.
0: Mm -hmm. I think we go through, I think everyone goes through it and us, especially as gay people, especially younger when when it wasn't, when we were having to come out, we had to learn that in yeah. not a very easy way, you know? It's a, it's like this whole thing now, it's like this buzzword of like, oh, be authentic, be yourself, be authentic, be yourself. But there's, it's so much deeper than that, you know, of like yeah. truly, you know, being oneself and not just in the light of oneself because the darkened yeah. oneself as well, you know? It's like- yeah.
1: Well, that's powerful too.
0: Yeah, it is. They and they both serve. They both serve. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So, like not- understanding, understanding the different, the ebbs and flows of yourself, and being able to take care of yourself in whatever ebbs and flows you're in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I find that I'm very i extroverted, but I'm also very introverted. Mm-hmm. So I really, like, have, have learned to honor both experiences. Yeah. So when I'm feeling introverted, I'll do the things that I need to do in that space. Stay home, you know, maybe produce or mm-hmm. read, meditate or, you know, vision or whatever. Yeah you know, hang out just with my husband. Yeah. You know. And then yeah. when I'm feeling extroverted is when I go out and DJ or I go out to the clubs or I make I have my weekends where I'm just like out all weekend, you know, and I'm just feeling it, you know, and I'm thriving on it. Yeah. So it's like kind of balance between that and then staying in and really taking care of myself um my emotional self on that level where it just needs to be quiet I need to be on my own I need to just like regroup yeah you know check in with myself like what do I need right now what I want for the next few months what do I want for the next few years yeah like what does that look like
0: Yeah. yeah Yeah, I love – I'm definitely more of an introvert than an extrovert. And I've had to teach myself – I'm so extroverted as a performer, as a DJ, yes, but who I am and I've had to really stretch myself to be – outside of my comfort zone as as more extroverted in wh- when I'm teaching classes when I'm DJing like all of it it's like it's that learn something I had to learn how to be a little better at but what's weird though is when I was a kid I was super extroverted and there was something I guess something that shifted for me but now the older I get I, I love that regroup time I love that quiet time but to a point where I can I can isolate. So if I I know when yeah. it's like, "Oh, I got to go. I got to go be around people. I got to go talk to people." I got to. And sometimes yeah. it's like this I... moment where I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to do this." And I, I coach myself. I have a moment and then I'm fine. And then I go out and it's great. But there's these yeah. there's this um little threshold that happens within me that I've noticed about um having to get into my extrovert itself.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's that's not uncommon for a lot of creatives. Yeah, you know whether that be in art or music or whatever your whatever your art is. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of artists have that same sort of introverted spirit, or introverted extroverted. You know, they go between the two. Cause they kind of have to be. Yeah, you know, especially as a DJ producer in this day yeah. where everybody and their uncle and their brother and their sister are DJs, <laughs> you, know, you know, you have to have that, that spirit that will push you further than everybody else will push themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's really the only way to stand out and to, you know, to, to, we noticed and have people have have their, their eyes on you instead of their eyes on all of these other people that are doing it too yeah you know yeah it's like how do you how do you stand out among so many folks and i think it's really just about like putting out quality music mm-hmm. There's, like, the whole creative side, but then there's also the whole business, social media, like, booking, reaching out for bookings, like, just being a, like, squeaky wheel, I guess.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know? But also having the talent and the, like, the resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To back it up. Yeah. Cuz there are there are a lot of squeaky wheels too, you know. There are a lot of people that like have a good sense of hustle. Yeah. But they don't have necessarily maybe the background or the the resume to back it up where it's like it's really about like the right timing but also the right experience
0: I guess. Yeah. And now I mean it's 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 no longer you have to be producing music. It's not it's not a option anymore you know no
1: it is I mean and be putting out music regularly yeah yeah you know like I'm I'm always conscious of what I've produced what I have that's unsigned sitting on my computer Mm. like what releases I have coming up and then what labels are kind of ideal for me to be releasing my music on, in terms of, like, reputation and exposure and all of the things that releasing on a solo label gives you. Yeah, yeah. Because music doesn't bring any money. Right. Like I, I mean, like I make all my money from gigs, touring. Yeah,
0: I mean that's yeah. just music in general now. <laughs> you, you, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah.
1: it is crazy. I mean, the amount of...
0: It's it's marketing. It's basically marketing now. Yeah, is what it is. It's basically marketing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the the amount of hours that I put into... Like, the the behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, like, I saw um, a meme the other day, and it it was like the... You only see... I don't know if it was the tip of the iceberg. There, there was two. One was like a tip of the iceberg. So you only see the tip, but you don't see everything, everything else underneath into it. You know, all, all of the, the work and the struggle and the hustle and the you know the downs and the ups and the lows, you know, all of that. But then there was another one where it was just like a DJ like with his hands in the air in front of a crowd of thousands of people. And it's just like, this is all you see, but you don't see like everything else
0: that goes into it. Yeah.
1: All of the, you know, I mean, I'm
0: constantly hours of shopping alone and looking for tracks. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Finding
1: tracks that, that, that are, um, that, that sit well with who you are as a DJ.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, does this track make me feel something? Because, like, we're buying tracks from all all of these different people. But what creates a style is really, like, when all of those tracks that you've handpicked come together, you know, that creates your style. And then how you play those.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and it really, it comes in as something else. It comes in as somebody else's but then it it turned through the motions of you know you know organizing and playing and you know the way you put things together that is what then ultimately comes out as something new yeah
0: yeah you know and it's and it's uniquely yours like because you and i could play the same records in completely different orders and they would sound completely different you know it's yeah. like it is a, it is a yeah, it's how you well. at a different time
1: or before or after certain tracks or layering them between other tracks mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that Otik track. Yeah. Like that is such a beautiful cool track. And that's like, you <laughs> that's know, funny. I think I heard you play it or you you posted it or some
0: It was on a video that I had posted. Yeah, I played it. Was it on a it video. was on the video of and you were like, "What is that track?" And I was like, oh, yeah.
1: dude, no. so, "It was on a release promo." Yeah. To the party. And I was just like, "Whoa, this track!" And like, I've played it two or three times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I only play tracks when it's right. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a, it's a it's a, you know, I play that so late. It's such a melodic moment. You know, you have to be in the right moment for that track you know and it's it's so beautiful though it's so beautiful really
1: beautiful and and big mm-hmm. you know so it, it has to be when they're with you yeah you know yeah. when the room is with you and you're you you're built up to this thing yeah yeah it's good i love those moments so much. yeah I, I get a lot of them at um at Soundbar.
0: Mm, That's – I've never been. So next time I come to Chicago, which is actually May 4th, and then again in June, maybe hopefully you're playing one of those and then I can go check you out. Uh,
1: Come out. They have – like, so they gave me a residency, a Saturday residency a year and a half ago. And so they have me play whenever it kind of makes sense. They have a lot of different style artists that come through there. Yeah. So, you know, they – they have me in when it makes the most sense and usually it's for the more melodic deep stuff and Juno deep like that sort of vibe. I mean, last weekend I was playing supporting Kristoff. Yeah. Nice. Who is an incredible DJ right now and like major rising star. Um, producer as well I mean I, I play a lot of his productions yeah, I so play,
0: I play a lot of his stuff in my sensual series I always have at least one of his tracks I, lo- I love him
1: oh yeah yeah he's great he's a really nice guy too like he just he came into the booth and like you know just good vibes you know a big hug and like you know that I just appreciate that so much mm-hmm. and I find a lot of these really you know like the, the major major guys and girls who are traveling the world you know on on that you know level Mm -hmm. always bring like really good interpersonal vibes too right you know like if i'm opening or supporting or whatever like it's 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 very much like hey oh wow thank you and you know there's always this really positive spirit like i haven't come into contact with any you know like Shit don't stink, sort of people. Right. You know, like, been very, like, you know, like, I can sense the gratitude in which they carry with them. Yeah. Which, you know, brings us to gratitude, which is just like, yeah, you know, I guess form of vibration. Yeah,
0: it's everything.
1: Everything. I'm constantly saying thank you, you yeah. know? Even I'm walking down the street, I'm like, in my yeah. head, like, meditating on thank you
0: yeah
1: yeah you know because i'm so grateful
0: to do this yeah it's the quickest you know. um remix of your emotion too you know it's like as soon as you're in any moment like you know and, and i, I talked with this about a lot of my class and with my students it's like the moment that you're feeling cranky you're pissy it's like if you can find one thing to be grateful for it'll just start over and over again, this, you know, more and more things to be grateful for. And it's like, shit, you know, like, and if it's really bad, if you just be grateful for your breath, that is more than enough. Just breathing, uh, you know, but it does start to shift your frequency, you know.
1: It sure does. Absolutely. Thank you. And I find I forgive you mm. and I love you are mm. three... Major like mantras mm-hmm. that shift my experience. You know, it's very rare that I have, you know, negative like interpersonal relationships happening, or or or, 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 or you know, people sending me, you know, negative shit or whatever. Right. But I find that what in in my experience when it has through my life. Mm-hmm. Forgiving people, and you know, not necessarily for them, but for myself, for
0: you, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I'm not like poisoning myself with whenever I think about, you know, that experience or whatever, like it just sends me into a, a you know, icky place or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, a negative it's negative mind frame, which is so easy to happen if you dwell on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. well, I'm I'm pretty quick to shift that stuff. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. Pretty quick to say like, I forgive you or I forgive that situation or I love you or just hold my hand on my heart. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that really like brings it down and brings you back to the present moment. Yeah. Where you you can see that actually that situation is over, done with, doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right. You know, like why poison your present moment with yeah. You know, something that doesn't even exist. Yeah, it's gone. So, no need to bring that into your present or future. Yeah, uh, it's it's easier said than done.
0: It's a practice. Sometimes. It's a practice.
1: But it's definitely a practice, and the more you do it, the more personally speaking, the more I've done it, the better I've become at it, and the less that I do it. That's you know, and the more balance that i consistently feel in my life.
0: I love that. I think this is all This is where we got to end. It's so beautiful.
1: All right. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, I how do
0: you follow gratitude? It's perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, gratitude is a good one. I think that's that's the most important for me and the biggest the biggest shifter that has been through my experience on this
0: beautiful planet oh, i love that so where can people find you besides the i'm going to link all of the your socials um but where you yeah. i mean you're most active you're both on i follow you on both but i see you you know instagram and facebook but you know i'll link all of that in the show notes but where else can people find you
1: yeah. so instagram at Carson solars Facebook, Carsten Solars. I typically post more on my personal page, which is full, but you can follow that. Yeah. I like they have that follow button that you can still uh, see what's going on. I make all my posts public yeah. uh, so then the people that I you know can't fit on there can still see what's going on and engage. Um, and then I have a website, CarstenSolars.com. Um, basically just type in Carson sold you can find everything. Um, uh, I'm in New York right now. I DJed at the Guggenheim last night. Ooh, Guggenheim. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So incredible.
1: My friend. I was watching Brandon, the, for...
0: uh, the stories. It looked so cool with the shibari.
1: Yeah, it was really cool with the shibari. I'm just like the space itself and working off the dancers you know, and then the crowd that came in it was a super mix of, like, New York society and, uh, like, New York gay underground mm. and, like, just, like, artists, and it was just really, like, a special vibe. Yeah. Tomorrow night, I'm in Vegas uh, playing Soul State. Nice. Uh, and I'm back in Chicago playing at Prism next weekend and then Z-Bar. Yeah. Uh, on the 25th, and then the 26th, I'm in Dallas yes. for, for a release. And the 27th, I'm in Chicago again. Nice. So, yeah, that's
2: a big exciting.
0: month. It is. I'm so excited yeah. to have you. So, I can't wait to see you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, happen. I'm really excited too. I'm, it's just like such a good.
0: I'll take
1: you like, to a nice vegan place before too please do yeah yeah I, that's, that's one of my most favorite things about touring and just traveling in general is like trying the 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 vegan options in that city because mm-hmm. there's just so many great people doing so many great things in that space that I'm just so I've like refallen in love with food. Mm. And when I eat, I'm so like, goodness, and you know, like
2: right. I just feel like
1: I'm constantly raising my vibration with food.
2: Yeah.
1: Now. Yeah. You know, my body's not a graveyard anymore. Mm-hmm. My body's like a like a garden. Mm. Well, it, it, it's powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna find. I'll find the best place, and I'll take you.
1: You are the best.
0: <laughs> <I can't, laughs> All righty.
1: We're gonna eat. Good food, and then we're gonna have
0: an awesome show. It's gonna be awesome.
1: I'm gonna play an amazing show. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool.
0: Well, good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna link everything so everybody can follow you. I really appreciate it. I absolutely adore you. I acknowledge you. I love what you're up to. I love your positivity. As I said, that's what drew me to you in the first place. So you know, I know you're gonna just keep growing and keep going so far. I believe in you. So I love seeing you.
1: Thank you so much. All of those sentiments right back to you, and I can't wait to, you know, work with you and you know talk more about all this stuff.
0: now you can come back you know? anytime you want. Woohoo! <laughs> all right, awesome. all right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found something inspiring with my conversation with Karsten. You can head over to the Remix Your World Facebook group and let us know or take a screenshot with your phone, tag us both in Instagram and let us know you're listening and tell us what you found inspiring. I'd love to hear from you. I will link up all of his information in the show notes and you can go and follow him musically and on his social profiles. So that's it for this week. I hope you have an amazing week, and I look forward to seeing you on a future episode. Uh, I've got some really cool things coming up. If you are interested in taking CIJ with me, which is my eight-week self-transformational course that is all done online, you need to reach out to me ASAP, and I can get you on the schedule so you and I can have a chat to see if you and I are a good fit. If you have no idea what that is because you've never heard this podcast before, then my friend, head over to RemixYourWorld.com forward slash C-I-J. You can read all about it, what I do, why I do what I do, who I teach, who I coach, who I mentor, and you can read a bunch of testimonials from past students. So if you're in a place right now in your life where you're feeling a little stuck, or maybe you have an idea that you really want to birth, then my friend, come on down. Let's remix your world. That's it for this week. I will talk to you guys soon. See you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.